This is Kim Balorchi, and you're listening to Boldly Stated. So for today's show, you're either in for a real treat or a complete train wreck, and I honestly don't know which it's going to be. I invited my spouse, Raymond Balorchi, on the show to be a guest, thinking that we would be talking about some really complicated issues in immigration, as he's one of the preeminent experts in immigration law and policy. But he informs me that he has absolutely no interest in talking about immigration this morning. But what he really wants to talk about is why working with your spouse is difficult. So welcome to the show. Wow. (laughs) How's that for an intro? I think it's incredible. I mean, I'm throwing you a curveball. You just threw me a curveball. What? You don't think I'm difficult? I think you're very difficult to work with. (laughs) Oh, it's on. It is on. No, I'm, 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 I mean, you know, honestly, it, it is not difficult at all. Actually, it's been a delight. You and I have been partners uh, for the last uh, 20 years. And I can honestly say um, that I wouldn't be here had it not been for your managerial skills in running the office. <laughs> but I also can't say that I would have probably had less gray hair. Um, and I have to thank you for contributing to the amount of gray hair that I've actually developed over the last 20 years. That's not nice. <laughs> Although we were given the advice to never work with your spouse, it's actually worked for us. And so I think it would be curious to know from each of our perspective, you know, what has made it work and what is difficult. I think one of the, the, the main ingredients, and there are, there are a lot of them, we, we do have an understanding of the language that we're speaking. In, in other words, uh, it, it, when two people either trained or, or have been doing the same thing for so many years, they, they, they understand each other to that level. You're a much better business person than I am. I'm not. I'm, I like to roll up my sleeves and, and go to work, and, and I'm really not uh, interested in, in, in the daily bits and pieces of the business. And, and you are fantastic at that. And... Um, I just want to stop you and say, I'm so glad that I have this on tape. So the next time that I go to make a change, I'm just going to hit play. Um, which is fine. Which And I hope you do. And the other reason I think that we work so well is because we respect each other. In other words, we, we, there is friction um, when, when we talk about certain things. And this is not always, I mean, there's some points that we will, you know, we will butt heads, but but first and foremost, it's the respect that we have for each other. You know, we respect each other in, in our opinions. We, we listen to each other. And, and we have absolutely no hesitation in admitting that, you know what, I'm wrong or, or you know, that this, what I'm doing is not the best way of doing it and recognizing it and seeing it. And I think that you have to, to be open, respect, listening, um, and compromising. I think those are the, the really three ingredients and the reason why I said, no, I don't believe that working with your spouse is 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 awful or a nightmare or um, I don't know what word you used earlier. I just uh, said difficult. Why well, difficult? We're just I mean, gonna say Freud would have a really good time with the fact that you just said nightmare <laughs> and <laughs> difficult. You used adjectives that were way way more descriptive than the ones I did. But I mean, I think you're right. I think that. One of the important things I want to convey in having this conversation, since we're having it publicly, is that we are very different humans, you and I. Um, I mean, we agree fundamentally on a lot of things in terms of our values, in terms of um, our our motivation to sort of serve and, and our deep caring for people and for what we do. But 
we, we really have very different practices. We have very different ways of communicating. We have very different ways of organizing, very different ways of showing up. And I point this out because it is a source of conflict between us at times, but it's also, I think, what helps us do what we do when I can say, you know what, you are phenomenal at, you know, strategic immigration practice. Like you, there's nobody better at figuring out how to solve problems for our clients. And you can say, you know, Kim is phenomenal at running the business, at figuring out how we're going to communicate things, at making things run, you know, solving the logistics. Even though you don't always like the way I do it, I don't always like the way you do it. We respect the fact that we have different strengths. And I think this is the key to us being able to work together. But I also think this is the key to everybody being able to work together, right? Like this is the success that people will see or not see in a work environment. If you can't respect someone's differences in terms of their style, in terms of their communication, in terms of what they bring to the table, and you're looking at it as we have to do everything the same way, it becomes very, very difficult. At the same time, I agree. When I when I represent my clients or or, or when I am at the office or twenty four seven in fact, um, it's all about emotion. It's it's emotion kind of carries it because I take everything to heart, and 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 that's probably why I'm um, I'm so passionate because everything goes to heart. Yeah. Uh, it's not a nine to five and then it's Miller time. Um, rather, it, it, it's a constant living, breathing thing for me when I take my cases and, and, and I, I really immerse myself. Being on the ground, you are completely overtaken by, by that emotion. That emotion carries you and drives you. And that's where the passion is in what I do. You have passion. You have the, the same elements that I have. But the difference is that I'm on the ground and you're in the air. In other words, you have a bird's eye view. You actually can see the entire landscape. You can see the future. You can see the, the, the north and the south. Whereas I'm more tactical and I'm on the ground and I'm fighting on the ground and I see literally what's coming ahead of me, but I'm not going to be able to see what's over the hill mm. and I can't see what's in the distance and I can't see, um, you know, that there, there are other things that we need to do because we can be more efficient. We can continue being passionate and, and, and oftentimes I get so consumed by that passion or I get so driven within my passion. That's where we bought heads. Yeah. And I will say too, um, you know, you say it's not difficult to work with me, which is a lie, but I think that what- All right. You caught me. Okay. But I'm going to be honest about what's difficult to work with you is you don't ever turn off. And so what you just described, that 24-7 immersion in your work makes it difficult because when we work together and then you come home, you know, sometimes there's no, there's no end to your day. So you're responding to texts and you're responding to emails and you're on your phone and we're trying to like have dinner and, and separate. And so I think for people who work together, for spouses who work together, when it is challenging, I think what's challenging is one, not bringing home the emotion of the day. And two, I know you're smiling. And two is, you know, when you have one person who can turn it off and one person who can't, that can be difficult. I'm not going to lie about that. That's hard. The way I look at it is, is, um, th- there are areas where you, you might not feel the way I feel. And maybe I'm, it's, it's improper for me to even say so, but, but immigration and particularly the immigration that, that, that we practice, which is really, you know, defending foreign nationals in immigration court, um, assisting uh, people from being able to be reunited and getting into the country 
um, or other type of litigation that we do is emotional. You're dealing with families. You're dealing with family separation. You're, feeling, you're dealing with people that have been in this country and have built a life. Granted, they may have done so in violation of law and illegally. Uh, but when you have laws and regulations that are so devoid of humanity that the injustice that you see is hard to strip from my mind or my heart um, at 5 p.m. Yeah. And, and, and really, that's what it is. And, and, and you, you know, in, in, as you know, our, our wins are fantastic, but they only last 60 seconds. Right. Um, and it's really hard to look yourself in the mirror and say, wow, you know, you did such a great job. And because, uh, you, you know, you, you, you now are able to see this family live on and be reunited or rather uh, not be separated and oftentimes even forced to lifelong or a lifetime of exile from from the only life and family that they have had or, or known just because of a technicality or a rule, um, it is emotional. You, 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 you cannot help but putting yourselves in the shoes of a client. And that's the number one rule that we've always been taught as professionals is that you have to be dispassionate. You have to uh, dispassionate in the sense that you have to look at it from the outside in. Um, it, it's hard for me. I think it's a mixture of my personality and um, I, at the end of the day, I always looked at it. Um, are, are you doing? I'm doing what I do because it's a calling. Well, you know, you've talked a lot about the emotion in, in the work that you do. And I think that there are some people who probably experience that level of investment in their work, but I don't think that's true of all lawyers or all professionals. So I want to say, I think that your, your compassion and your empathy and your investment in your work is unique to you. And I think it's one of the things that makes you so good at your work, even if it impacts your entire life in some ways. Um, but the other thing I want to say is that I think that people don't understand the enormity of the work that you do. So I just am curious if you can think of an example you can share with my listeners. Uh, there are so many examples, Kim. I mean, there are just so many of them. And, and one of them is is the subjectivity that exists under the law. I mean, you're going to have subjectivity everywhere. But you have a system that's basically completely designed against the immigrant, completely, uh, without getting too technical. While you are allowed to have due process, uh, the same rules that would apply to, let's say, a litigant in, in, in a civil case, what we call the rules of civil procedure, are not applicable in immigration court. So right then and there... Um, you know, you're just chipping away at it. And 100% literally of uh, defenses um, in immigration court are um, ultimately within the discretion of that immigration judge uh, to determine whether or not you deserve it. And I think that the, the cases that we do where we have cancellation uh, for, for non-permanent residents, for instance, um, are heartbreaking. Uh, and this is a defense very quickly that you have to show that you've been in the United States for no less than 10 years. You are a person of good moral character. Uh, you have a qualifying relative, such as a permanent resident or U.S. citizen, parent, spouse, or child. And at the end of the day, you have to satisfy the court that, or prove to the court uh, that, you know, the denial of your application uh, would result in exceptional and extremely unusual hardship to your qualifying relative. Exceptional and extremely unusual hardship. So this and isn't just the normal hardship that you would experience by just, you know, having your spouse taken away from you. In or fact, the Board of Immigration Appeals has said that separation is not enough. 
or or the hardship from being separated from a loved one is not enough. It has to be exceptional and extremely unusual hardship. Um, There are only 4,000 cases a year that are allowed to be approved. There's a backlog right now. So to those that are listening to to your podcast, um, if I were to tell you that you have a person that had no encounters with the law, um, in fact, while they have been working illegally, they still have paid taxes. Um, and uh, they have children that are uh, 9, 13, 15, and 17, uh, one of them um, ready, willing, and able to go to medical school, um, bought a home, uh, and have been nothing more and less than a devout parent, uh, will generally not be approved. So as a parent, it's grotesque for me to have somebody tell me, well, you know, your spouse, even though she's here illegally, can provide for the children and the children are healthy and they're well. Um, I think that when, let's compare it. In family court, uh, when the judge makes a decision as to what custody or visitation to be set up, the standard is the best interest of the child. But in immigration court is exceptional and extremely unusual hardship. So unless one of your qualifying relatives is direly sick, um, and I'm not going to tell your listeners that you know every single of the 200 and some judges in the country are going to view the case the same way. But when you inject discretion, and I believe that discretion should always be there, but a standard of exceptional, extremely unusual hardship that devoids what is in the best interest of a child to keep a family united. I agree with you, obviously, <clears throat> but I think it's important to share you know, the issues around immigration are so much greater than what is covered in the media. They're so much greater than what people are predisposed to believe, right? Um, you know, there's so much vitriol around the topic. And yet, as you say, on the ground, doing the work, meeting the people, seeing families, there is so much more that nobody knows, nobody ever talks about. And I think that also adds to the burden of doing the work in the first place because the system is completely unjust and it hasn't been modified for, you know, a gazillion years, even though every president in the last um, three election cycles have promised immigration reform for various reasons that hasn't happened. I think, you know, I understand the reason you can't turn it off, but it also breaks my heart for you that you can't turn it off because you live with the struggles of the people you, you care about and are representing you know, on your shoulders every day. It also has made me a better person. Um, I have had the pleasure or the privilege of encountering and representing uh, and, and many that I'm unable to represent because of, of technicalities, uh, because there's just no, no hope for them um, unless you take some dire measures. But I, I have met some of the most devoted parents, most hardworking people, um, humble people that I can ever meet. It, it literally has nothing to do with nationality. It has nothing to do with uh, with race or color or religion or anything. Um, and and you are absolutely correct. the The media um, and the understanding and the belief that you know these are just a no more and no less than you know just millions of freeloaders that are going to take things away from us. Look, there's going to be good and bad everywhere. But the ones that I've encountered are they're unbelievable people. And and you know what? All we can do is just plug away. 
you know, we we can only, as they say, act locally and, you know, for, for a global change. And um, the way I look at it is I, I hope that there is a better future for in, in this country for, for all of us. But for when it comes to immigrants, the way I look at it, um, you know, you, you just mentioned it and I'll just say this and, and I'll stop is that in our business, uh, one administration to the next is no different than basically having a new orchestra chief or conductor carrying the, the orchestra. But so long as the violinist sucks or the cello doesn't follow the tune, it's still going to be a lousy symphony. I am a pragmatist uh, and I believe that laws should be fair and equal and they should be applied to all equally. I think that's what our founders wanted. I'm an immigrant. I, I came as an immigrant. So I, I everything I see and everything I have done in this country ever since I came here, first as a student, then as a permanent resident, and now as a United States citizen, is number one, I take so much pride in it. I believe it's such an incredible privilege. And one of the most heartbreaking things for me is to see how many people take it for granted. And, 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 and it's mind boggling. Um, I will forever regard myself as an ambassador of the red, white, and blue everywhere in the world I go. I take pride in it. Um, as I take pride in my heritage, who I am and where I came from, I can, that's part of me. That's what makes this country so great. Uh, that we celebrate our heritage, that we celebrate that we're Irish American or Mexican American or, or Indian American or Persian American. I wholeheartedly agree with you. So guess what I did? You fired me. No, I got you to talk about immigration. So you're the one that threw the curveball. Kind of. Well, it's easy for me to talk about immigration because yeah. as you said, I'm 24-7. I'm well, and the thing is too, that I, I think is remarkable about you. And obviously I'm, you know, I'm your biggest fan. All kidding aside. And yeah, it's hard to work with you at times, but... I truly, truly respect and admire the work that you do. And I think you are one of the really lucky, lucky people because you do work in the field that is your calling. When you say immigration is my calling, I see how inspired you are to, to do your work and to effectuate change. And I see the impact that you have. So many families that are together, so many people that are reunited. I will never forget, never forget as long as I live the day that the work became real for me was one of the early days when I had started working in the office. And um, I'm not going to reveal any client confidences, but you'll remember this. We had a client who'd been working to get his family here for years, and he hadn't seen them for, I think it was six or seven years because our process is just so slow. And, you know, through the process, through the process, it was his wife and his three children. And he had just... We had, we had worked with him through the process. It took years and years and years, but we got them here and they had just seen each other for the first time and they came to the office to thank us. I'm going to cry thinking about it now. And they were standing in our lobby and it was just, it was remarkable, right? One, to realize that I get to hug my own kids every night, but to see that, right? Someone who worked for six years to get just his family here. He was here, you know, going through our process, working really, really hard. They were coming and the joy was something that has always stayed with me. So, um, yes, we are 
we are married. Yes, we are law partners. We work together. But but truly, I I hope you know. Um, as hard as it is to watch you never turn it off, you are you are such a light in this world, and the work that you do is nothing short of amazing, and it matters a lot. Well, thank um, you, Kim. So you can go ahead and be mad at me for my policies. I'm going to continue doing what I do because it's what I do. But I also know that you'll continue doing what you do in the brilliant way that you do it. And uh, I, in turn, have to thank you uh, for allowing me to break some of those policies over and over. And I don't allow you to do anything. You just fucking do it. Let's be honest. That's the only child in me. I can't. Yeah. No, I, I, I really appreciate that. And, and I, I love your podcasts. And I, I am beyond flattered of having been a guest on, on your podcast. And uh, No, really. Thank you for, for doing this. I think it all turned out okay. This is Kim Balorchi, and you've been listening to Boldly Stated.